Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars and formula one this is the final inspection show presented by the legendary great lakes dragway in union grove now here's your host steve zaki And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in New Grove and David Hobbs Honda. And joining me at the top of the hour here in hour number two, it is David Hobbs talking Formula One. And we last week we were at Hungary, and uh, not a surprise with uh, Hamilton winning uh, second place, though. We had Verstappen and then Botas. So we, it didn't look like uh, Red Bull was looking that great at the beginning of the weekend, was, did they? Well, unfortunately, um, I'm torn here. I want to see Hamilton win his seventh world championship, which the way things are going at the moment, he will do. Uh, but on the other hand, uh, obviously, I want to see Honda do well, uh, the Honda engine in the Red Bull chassis. And going into the year, after the test in Barcelona, you know, right back in uh, February, things were looking pretty good. But uh, when the chips are down and the race is, you know, obviously in Austria three weeks ago and then Hungary last week, um, the Mercedes again seem to come out way on top and of course the next two races are next week and the week after at Silverstone which again should suit the Honda even more uh, because they have much longer straights and it's a much higher speed circuit so um, Verstappen in some ways was a bit lucky to finish second really because Botas made a horrible start mm-hmm. he jumped the gun and then stopped and then had to go again so he lost about six places on the first lap uh, and regain them all except Verstappen. Verstappen, we were all thinking that Hungary would be the place for them to do well too because it's a handling circuit. And um, the Red Bull's ace up its sleeve is always supposed to be its handling. Although even that doesn't seem to be much better than anybody else, quite honestly. Because the surprise of the season is what they call the pink Mercedes, which is the, uh, the racing point cars, which everybody complaining are a copy of last year's Mercedes. And they certainly seem to be going extremely well. And Lance Stroll was right up there, on, on right near the front of the grid. And um, so they could be very strong at Silverstone. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, of course, his father, you know, bought an interest or a large interest in, in, in the team. And, that. and Lance Stroll, because he comes from uh, uh, means, gets a, little, a lot of uh, negative uh, feedback. But, I mean, the kid can drive. Well, he certainly has had his moments you know he had that incredible finish at uh, in Azerbaijan what three years ago when he lost second place 
literally at the line. Right. Um, so he has put in some good performances, and he hasn't made many terrible mistakes either. And in fact, last weekend at Hungary, pretty much outpaced Perez, his uh, teammate, uh, most of the time. So, yeah, I mean, Lance Joll was good, because now, now we have another conspiracy theory, of course, and that is that Sebastian Vettel, who's leaving Ferrari, right. is now sniffing around the racing point, because it seems to be the next best thing. And obviously, the big question is, who goes, Lance Stroll or... Um, Sergio Perez. Or Sergio Perez. Well, Sergio Perez, I think, puts a lot of money into that team as well from Mexico. So, and of course, he has been the de facto team leader. So everybody is making all sorts of uh, conspiracy theories about those two. You wonder if somehow Williams may play a part of this with uh, Mercedes with the connection there. And Williams has actually shown some speed in qualifying, not so much in race results, but they, 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 they picked up a bit of, of raw speed, it seems like, in the last couple of races. Yes. As an example, Ferrari were slower at Hungary this year than they were last year. Williams was about a second and a half quicker. So they are definitely improving. And of course, um, oh gosh, what's your name? George? Yeah, George. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, exactly uh, him. <laughs> yeah. He has shown good, good speed in the wet, in the uh, Austrian. Russell. Russell, George Russell. Young English guy, desperate to drive a Mercedes Benz, and everybody was kind of thinking he might replace Botas, but I think Botas has shown that he'd be a tough guy to replace. So, but George Russell, I just hope he doesn't, you know, hang on that vine and mm-hmm. no, and then peter out like so many young drivers do, because he and Lando Norris are a couple of extraordinarily good Brits. But George Russell makes that Williams do pretty good, and um, so hopefully they will continue to improve. You know, and there's always the rumors too. How long does Mercedes stay in Formula One? So, and and I mean, where what what could we see in like two years? How much how much of that paddock could change? Are we gonna? I mean, they've the, the, there's not many privateers. Could we see a return of some privateers? It's kind of interesting to see where if if Mercedes leaves. Ferraris are always going to be around. You got teams like Racing Point. Would Mercedes would probably still support you know, Williams and, and Racing Point somehow? But you, you wonder how what what the face of Formula One is going to look in two years. Well, I think you summed it up pretty well. I, I think there's a very good possibility that Mercedes will leave and will supply engines, become an engine supplier. And the other, of course, major manufacturer who's hanging in the balance has got to be Renault because their figures have been horrible mm-hmm. uh, you know they're losing money and of course the French are very protective of their unions and their labour mm-hmm. force and of course what 40 odd thousand people work at Renault in France um, and if they're in a situation where they're going to have to have fire 20 or 30 thousand people 10 or 15 thousand people um, there'll be a lot of questions asked in the French Parliament about hey hang on a minute what about this Formula 1 we do you know um can see that coming a mile off. Where's Where's Guy Leger when you need him, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they may, but they may, um, they may remain as a uh, as an energy supplier. Talk about Guy Leger. He and I used to get on very well, even though I couldn't speak a word of French and he couldn't speak a word of English. But we had some amicable conversations there because he did a lot of uh, endurance driving. So I met mm-hmm. him a number of times at Le Mans and places like that. And he was a great guy, very stocky for a racing driver. 
bit like you in a way. He mm-hmm. was, he was, he was, you know, very tough because he had been a, a, a French rugby player. Oh, okay. I think, I, he was a professional rugby player, I think, at one stage of his life. But he was very successful in business, and, which allowed him to do so well in the racing. Anyway, digressing a bit there. Yes. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see, yeah, because we're we're down to ten teams, and you know, Formula One's in a place right now. You know, and they're trying to do cost controls, and you have teams like Ferrari complaining about it, but yet you still want, I mean, you you don't want a, a grid of 14 cars in Formula One, do you? No, and of course, this is bringing up uh, by a circuitous route of what you said a couple of minutes ago. Will they allow, like they used to do, customer cars? So could Mercedes build, like, two cars themselves and then two cars for Racing Point? And, and two cars for Williams mm-hmm. um, and Ferrari do the same Formula 1 purists of course say this destroys the whole objective of Formula 1 which is to construct your own car everything has got to be constructed by you um, and in Ferrari's case the engine too and in Mercedes case um, but I think those <coughs> those old goals are just a little bit out of touch these days mm-hmm. economically and uh, I think we may see a reversion to to customer cars from manufacturers and I mean let's admit it I mean you look at even in the 70s there were a lot of customer cars McLaren supplied cars uh, and, and March supplied a lot of cars in the 70s to Tyrrell I mean Tyrrell was going back and forth between Matra and, and March and other cars so I mean it, there's been a precedence for that hasn't there Oh, very definitely. And, of course, a lot of people look at the 70s as the golden era of, mm-hmm. of, of Formula One. I'm not that sure that it was in particular myself. Um, <clears throat> you know, everybody had a, a Cosworth engine and um, Mrs. is getting in the wrong car. <laughs> <laughs> that's, why I put a, that's why I put a golf sticker on my David Hobbs Honda for that reason. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, it would be a reversion to what a lot of people, as I say, talk of as the golden era in Formula One. I mean, I quite like the idea of people making their own car, but of course, if they put a, um, a price cap of like 100, or a cost mm-hmm. cap of 170 million or 150 million or 100 million, it's kind of hard to produce from scratch a car and find an engine for 100 million. Um, I mean, I know it sounds stupid to say that, but... Um, but of course, when you go to Formula One races, I'm sure you've been to a number of Formula One races as you go with the press credential and you get into the inner paddock and you see the unbelievable money that these teams now spend on hospitality. I mean, the McLaren, the Ferrari, the Williams. I mean, Williams is sort of teetering on the brink. But I mean, their hospitality centers as big as our house. And they drive these things all over Europe. They, they fold up and compact them down. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection show. Here on 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm your host, the Mayor Mitch Ross. Steve Zaki alongside as well. You heard Jeff Orlowski earlier in the program with Dennis Michelson getting you caught up on the world of racing. Some slight technical difficulties there, but we will be rejoining Steve Zaki live from Road America, his conversation with David Hobbs of David Hobbs Honda up on Green Bay Avenue up there in Glendale. 
Show is also brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway down there in Union Grove. Let's rejoin Steve Zodke. And we were talking about hospitality and, you know, Williams. But, you know, for them to – you, you kind of have to walk the walk, I guess. If you're, if you're trying to bring in sponsors, you, you kind of have to show we're, we're a professional team, don't you? Well, absolutely. You're kind of stuck with it. And uh, also the press. And the press, as we know, is sometimes not that independent. And a lot of these press guys only go to the Formula One races to live it up for a, for a weekend. I mean, the food they deliver at all of those hospitality suites is unbelievably high end. Um, and I, when you play, if you had, a, if you're having a private function at home and you get a, a caterer and he says, "Well, it's going to be," you can have twenty five dollars a plate, fifty dollars a plate, a hundred dollars a plate. Well, their food, I can tell you, is always on the hundred dollar end of the plate cost, and. Um, and they're packed all weekend, mm-hmm. so their cost per weekend. They would spend more in a weekend now, a modern race team would spend more, for instance, in a weekend than someone like Team Lotus or the early McLaren did in the whole season, probably, for the whole season of racing, including travel. Well, and if if the if we would, let's say, Racing Point would go with a Mercedes, let's say, you know, I mean, they're, they're going to put their own aero kits on there and they're, they're going to work on the car, massage it during the, as they go through the year anyways. Absolutely, you know, I mean, when you get a customer car, then it's your car and you can do what the hell you like with it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like it's not like Indy where you really can't right. change it much. Um, and so that brings in another argument, you know, IndyCar racing in the last, what, last decade really, has been incredibly competitive. You know, you're having multiple winners per season uh, and it, it doesn't take much to be off just a tad and yet they are all Dallaras. They, they all come out of the factory basically the same and Honda have their aero package and Chevrolet have their mm-hmm. aero package. And you can't change it much. You can't just go and whack another wing on when you feel like it. Um, and yet you see someone like Alexander Rossi last year was just tough, tough as hell. I mean, won the race here at Road America at a, at a canter. And this week, oh, last, last week, you know, for the IndyCar race, just really... Was hardly competitive. I mean, got on just that was his last win too. Huh? That was, yeah, well. nice, yeah. So, and that's all with the same car. So it does make it. It does bring an element of competition in, uh, an element of competition from the driver point of view, and of course the engineer, the way they set the car up. So, um, an interesting concept that the Formula One could be looking at that, and thinking, well, you know, really, if you want competitive racing, you know, you you can't do much better than any car now. Maybe we should sort of go that route. But of course. Formula One has always staunchly, staunchly been opposed to in any way, shape, or form copying anybody else. <laughs> Talking with David Hobbs and Formula One on the final inspection show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. And uh, final question here, we have, uh, we're doing two in Silverstone this year. Now, in the past, you would have, uh, they would do two Grand Prix in England. One would be the British Grand Prix, one would be the European Grand Prix. That was kind of their way of getting away with that back in the day. They'd do a bronze hatch and uh, Silverstone, but we're doing two two in a row at, in uh, England. Uh, and as far as I know, that's a first, correct? Absolutely. Uh, same thing in Austria when they mm-hmm. started. Um, and two, yeah, as you say, at Silverstone, which, you know, I'm a member of the British Racing Drivers Club, have been now for 60 years, and... Um, they own Silverstone, mm-hmm. and I mean they are just really big time hurting because you've got this vast, you know, eight or nine hundred acre facility where nothing has happened, you know, since March, 
and um, it's, it's a tough nut to, to swallow, crack, whatever you want to do. Uh, but of course, there's still, there still will be no spectators. Mm -hmm. So I'm not quite sure the financial arrangement, but obviously I'm assuming that Liberty Media, who own Formula One, uh, must be paying the, um, the racetracks out of their TV revenue to, um, um, to put these races on with no, with no crowds. So um, again, a big difference to here where, you know, Road America, the crowds are allowed in this weekend at the vintage races, and then of course next weekend for IMSA. Um, but in England, it's still you can't have any spectators at, at sporting events. So it's going to be interesting, but um, judging on form so far, it should be a Mercedes weekend. It really, I just can't see how it won't be. Yeah, it certainly has been in the past uh, with Hamilton just dominating that, that, that Grand Prix. Then we go to Spain, uh, then a couple of my favorite tracks, Spa, and then Monza and, and Italy. And then uh, were you surprised when they announced in Russia as the finale? I was very surprised, but of course you go through now, Imola is going to have a race now, I believe. Oh, um, did they add that? Okay. They've just added it this week, I believe, Imola. Um, because I've seen on the Twitter sphere a lot of uh, great to be back at Imola, where they had a Formula One race. For, but that was the same That was the same as England, how Italy got two races. Right. They got the Italian Grand Prix at Monza. That'll be the European Grand Prix. Well, it'll be the European <laughs> Grand Prix, or the, was it the uh, San Marino? San Marino, yeah. yeah. And Bob Varsha and I, when we were doing the TV for... Um, ESPN 30 odd years ago we went to San Marino which is a principality set right in the middle of Italy there um, and uh, it was <clears throat> it's very small I mean about the same size as El Cart Lake and uh, on, a, on a big hill so I don't know what they'll call the race this year but um, that'll be they'll be interesting to see the Formula 1 cars back there Certainly. Well, David, we certainly appreciate t taking time out of your busy weekend here up at Road America for the uh, WeatherTech Brian Redmond Vintage Weekend. And uh, for those coming out tomorrow on Sunday, you'll be able to see David handing out some uh, awards and trophies and whatnot. So come on out. And, of course, we have the sh the uh, the shadow. The shadow is the is the featured mark. And we have uh, Hall of Fame driver George Fulmer out there also. And uh, just it's, it's a great way to see uh, almost, I think they have 10 shadow racing cars to see them not only in the paddock but also in on the track too so come on out to road america this weekend a lot of fun and uh thank you david for coming on the show well thanks for having me again and uh make sure don't forget check out davidhobbs.com for all the finest in new and used vehicles certified used hondas too at davidhobbs.com and we'll be back after this on the final inspection show brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway and the aforementioned david hobbs honda is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. And we're up at Road America. It's the vintage weekend up here, one of our favorite weekends of the year. The chance for the fans to see a lot of the drivers of yesteryear and, of course, the cars of yesteryear. And, and this year is no exception. And uh, every year they try and um, focus on a, a mark or a driver or a team or something. And this year it's the... Uh, 
the, the famous shadow cars that were so popular in the 1970s. And uh, joining me on the show, it is uh, Doug Meyer, uh, engine builder. Engine Builder of the Stars. <laughs> no, seriously, though. Uh, Doug, uh, tell us what your invo involvement was with uh, Shadow Racing. Well, interesting. I have to start with this. You just mentioned Great Lakes Dragway. Okay. I grew up in the north side of Chicago in the suburbs, and I was racing a 55 Chevy degasser. That's awesome. Uh, with a 301 and a Racer Brown Roller uh, in uh, about 1966. Uh, as I graduated from high school. Very good. And so I was a gearhead my entire life and drove my parents nuts with uh, model airplane fuel in the lawnmower and <laughs> uh, all sorts of other shenanigans. Uh, but then uh, connection through connection, when the shadow team was formed, um, I was living in Stevens Point, Wisconsin, okay. where I went to college. And uh, there was a school teacher there who had a uh, Formula Ford, and he noticed my shiny Corvette, and he says, you know how to work on cars? I said, yes, sir, I do. And he said, I have this Formula Ford. I need the gears changed. I don't know how to do it. Would you do it? And I said, uh, well, yeah, I don't know what that is, but sure. And turns out then that gentleman's name was Ted Johnson. He got hired by Don Nichols as a PR guy, and he fixed it up for me to have an interview. And I met Lee Muir, who, as you mm -hmm. know, came from McLaren and is a supreme, was a supreme engine guru. And I became Lee's assistant once he came to trust me. Okay, very good. And uh, so what, what year are we, we talking about? Because there's a couple of iterations with, with Chattel early on, of course, with Peter Bryant and that group. And, exactly. then, and then later. Uh, so when, when did you start working for Shadow? First car I touched was a 72 car okay. and that was at a test at Atlanta and that was a tryout for me with mm -hmm. Lee as well as a tryout for the car I guess and uh, I worked on the cars I was an engine assembler and I traveled with the team and was a trackside tuner and uh, overnight engine rebuilder uh, from 1972 through uh, the 1975 Formula 5000 Dodge which I worked on and of course, you know, times are different. Back then, it certainly was a smaller crew at that time. How many people were, were on the crew at that time? Well, uh, there was Lee and I on engines. Uh, Lee was actually basically a team team chief, mm -hmm. and I and I did engines for him, everything he needed done. And uh, there was uh, Tony Connor uh, worked on. He lives in Chicago now, and he was a chief mechanic on one of the cars. And there would have been another chief mechanic on one of the other cars when there were two cars. Then each one of each of them had uh, a helper, and uh, we had Tom Wirtz, which was a he was sort of a tire guy. He and I both drove the transporter, uh, so we would drive all night, drive all day, unload the cars, and go to work. Um, Tony Connor lives in Chicago now, uh, retired guy. Tom Wirtz went on to work for Penske, Ganassi. He was an IndyCar guy. I think he's an in the in the in the office guy now for one of the major teams. Very good. Talking to, with Doug, Doug Meyer, who worked on the shadow racing teams of the 1970s, which is the feature mark uh, this weekend up at Road America for the Brian Redman uh, uh, Vintage 
weekend here. Uh, one of these can't-miss weekends. Something I, I'd like to say for this event, there's something for, for everybody out here. If uh, you're in uh, muscle cars or whatnot, you have the, the Trans Am cars, the Corvettes, and Camaros, and Mustangs, and that. And then we have the, 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 the ground thumpers, as they call them, the Can-Am cars. We have Formula cars out here. All sorts, and just just a, a eclectic mix of cars. So we recommend you come, come on up here. They'll be up here today, Saturday, and also tomorrow, Sunday, up at Road America. And, uh, you know, racing was, was certainly a, a different and, uh, I guess, a little bit wilder back then, I guess you could say. G- g- give me a good shadow story, maybe. Not necessarily even at the track, but maybe off the track, too, that, that was one of your favorites. Well, let's see. It kind of caught me off guard there. There certainly <laughs> were some parties. Uh, one of which James Hunt attended. Oh boy! I okay, can, I, it's embellished and uh, or established in my in my uh, psyche. Uh, that was in Palm Springs, so I, I can't go into too much detail on that. <laughs> that was that was quite a good party. You're right; it was a little bit more amateurish, if I can use that phrase, because keep in mind that, for instance, the, for the transporter for the truck. Um, we were considered private coaches at the time, so there there was no logging and uh, DOT and stuff. And so Tom Wirtz and I both drove the big Kenworth transporter, um, and we would uh, he drive at night and I drive during the, during the day, okay. and we would go from Watkins Glen to Laguna Seca nonstop. Wow! Uh, because we had you know ten days apart races there and stuff like that so that sort of thing was uh, all-nighters were apocryphal but a reality i mean and we worked overnight all night i remember one one time i was we had a chevy vega parts car and i was going into town to from the shop in uh, in oak grove village and uh, i fell asleep at a red light <laughs> pretty soon somebody was banging on the window i was sound asleep because i'd worked like two nights yeah the, all the, way through. the brain and the body tells you enough is enough doesn't yeah, after a while exactly right you know and those and those uh those 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 drives it's not like today where you have the nice freight liners or whatnot you know that are so comfortable you know so comfortable those trucks weren't as as nice as the as the tractor trailers they have well, today it's are interesting. They? the truck is a story in itself uh when i started with the team we had a cab over uh underpowered uh tractor and uh, a basic uh, moving van trailer and don nichols being the showman that he was after about uh a season of that he said I want a big truck and uh, you know again it goes to guys having multiple jobs he said to me he says find me one of those trucks with the long nose <laughs> so I said okay and I found a Kenworth conventional downstate Illinois um, it was reasonably priced I told Don it looked like a good buy so we bought that and I drove it home from the dealership never having driven one before <laughs> and um, brought it to Elk Grove Village, painted it black, of course, immediately. And uh, then uh, yeah, another interesting part of that is the, the, the double-decker trailer that uh, carried the team cars in 73. We had three cars and uh, because the, the turbo was one and then there were two naturally aspirated cars. The, the turbo is a big story. But uh, Don said, we, we need to carry three cars, and nobody had a transporter that would do that. So this, again, is, it's really uh, points to the, the multiple jobs. Uh, I was screwing engines together, putting them on the dyno, doing that sort of thing, and Don says to me, we got to figure this out. I want you to do it. So I had the idea that you, 
people that had the moving vans with the lift gates, I went to a moving van place that modified trailers, and I said, how much can you put on one of those lift gates? They said, well, hey, 3,000 pounds. I said, can you make it longer, like 15 feet long? And they said, why not? So we actually commissioned the very first double-deck race car trailer uh, that carried two Can-Am cars on the top level, one on the bottom, plus all the gear. And uh, we showed up, I believe, mid-Ohio with it, with it, and it set everybody buzzing. Nobody had ever seen a big semi open up and three Can-Am cars come out of it double-deck. Wow. And uh, later that truck uh, got some pretty wild paint on it, and everybody knew the shadow truck, for sure. And that was black, too, obviously. It was all black until we got the... Uh, changed the stripes to the uh, red, orange, yellow uh, in uh, for the Formula 5000 and forward. Yeah, it's amazing because the, the marketing was in its inf infancy, but for, for, for someone like me who was a kid back in those days, I, I, I loved the shadow, the old AFX slot cars. Absolutely. Well, Don was a showman. Don Nichols is a very, very interesting man. He, he, he came out of... Uh, uh, he's an American. He was stationed in World War II in the I don't know if it's apocryphal, but everybody used to say he was kind of a sort of a spy-ish kind of guy. Sure. He did work for the CIA or something. And when he was in Japan, he became the Goodyear race tire distributor for Japan, oh, which hooked okay. him up. And then when he came home, he started doing the race thing. And this is where the whole shadow thing with the cape came in. Oh, okay. That's... There's, there's a little bit of history there where he was always kind of a funny character. He was very closed-mouthed. He never told anybody what we were doing and what we were going to do, and he loved the showmanship side. I mean, he literally showed up to the races on more than one occasion with a black cape on. <laughs> and if people, and it worked. You remember it, right? Mm -hmm, it yeah. worked. And it was, uh, it was really fun to be part of that. Make no mistake, he was a taskmaster. Stuff had to be there, like any good race team. Had to be right, had to be on time, had to be reliable. He didn't suffer fools. If you were jerking around, you weren't around long. But he was a joy to work for. Um, also, I have to mention, really, Lee Muir, because Lee came from McLaren, uh, where he worked with Tyler Alexander uh, on the, the, you know, the all-aluminum big blocks. Yep. And, Chevrolet was very um, choosy about who got to have those engines. He brought that um, connection from McLaren to Shadow, and we became one of the chosen ones that got the Reynolds 390 blocks and the ability to um, machine and work on those, bore them and own them, and make them all correct, work correctly with the iron-plated pistons. Uh, Lee was very, very much at the forefront. Lee was not a graduate engineer, but he was one of the... Uh, most uh, incredible natural engineers uh, I've ever met, worked with. He just knew how to do stuff. He, if he didn't know how to do it, he figured out how to do it, and we got it done. He was a, a, a tremendous man to work for, and I miss having him around to talk to on occasion. He's he's quite something. He was quite something. Well, it's going to be a neat weekend for those uh, who have a chance. Come on up to uh, Road America to the WeatherTech International Challenge with Brian Redman. Uh, it's one of the biggest vintage events of the year on the calendar, and it's also with a feature mark with the shadow cars. It's a good opportunity to come out. There's also a new book uh, by Pete Lyons, uh, The Magnificent Machines, A Man of Mystery, Can-Am, Formula, and Formula 5000 car. Highly recommended book. Come on out here. Uh, George Falmer, who we're going to have on the show here today, uh, will also be uh, signing books, and uh, it's just a neat event, and uh 
come on out. I think uh, you'll certainly enjoy uh, the event uh, this weekend. And uh, once again, we appreciate you coming on the show. My pleasure. A lot of fun. All right. Thank you. When we come back, we'll have more with the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway and David Hobbs Honda. is Final Inspection with Steve Zockey. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Steve Zotke. I'd like to thank our supporters at, of course, Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove and also David Hobbs Honda. And we're up at Road America, and it's the uh, Vintage Weekend, of course, the WeatherTech Brian Redman uh, Vintage Weekend. And uh, this year, the feature mark is uh, Shadow Racing Cars. And, uh, of course, Shadow Racing Cars... Uh, a lot of uh, listeners may remember about the old Can-Am days and, of course, Formula 1 and Formula 5000 and uh, many races up at uh, at Road America. And uh, this weekend, uh, there's probably a good uh, almost 10 shadow racing cars from uh, the Can-Am days and, and Formula 5000 up here. And just it's a neat event. And also they have uh, Pete Lyons' new book on shadow racing cars that you can get out here. And one of the former drivers is up here too, George Falmer. And uh, we had George on the show a couple of years ago. And, uh, George, thanks for coming back on the show again. Well, it's always nice to go up to Road America. I have uh, liked this place from the first day I came, which was back in 1965 when Cliff Tuffy was on it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Cliff Tufty, of course, the... Uh, the, the man, yeah, and uh, hands-on owner. And, and yes, he was. A good he, guy. He was. I mean, you never hear a bad thing about him and, and his wife, too. Uh, and they were local. They actually lived up here year-round. Yes, so. they did. Uh, so what what were you running that first time up here in 65? Uh, I brought my uh, championship Lotus Porsche. Okay. Uh, won the USSRC championship. So that was my first uh, major championship. So okay. And I won it here. The last was the championship race that decided who's going to win the championship. And I, and I won my class and I won the, the championship. So always meant a lot to me uh, to come into Road America. Besides, it's, it's probably the best racetrack in the country. I've heard that from so many people, not only, of course, so. Milwaukee Mile Race Track is a racers, uh, you know, racers track, but as yeah, a for an oval, too. <laughs> <laughs> but also Road America too, and uh, it's funny, uh, especially the European drivers all love it too because it's it's they they always say it's the most European racetrack, and and when Cliff Tufty and 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 the others designed the racetrack, they they kind of had that feel they wanted it with the long straightaways, but yeah, the curves, and for a driver, it can be quite challenging, can it? Well, it is challenging because there's a uh, there's a lot of turns in it, and it's fast, and it's got some pretty heavy braking areas and some pretty slow corners. So, uh, it's it demands a lot of uh, out of the car and the driver to get uh, to get around fast. You got to do a lot of different things. But it's just a nice racetrack, and uh, it's uh, fun to run, and I've always enjoyed it. And like I say, it's one of my favorites. 
And you've raced, uh, let's, let's see here, you raced with the USSRC here, Trans Am, Can Am, Formula uh, 5000. Yes, all, all of those. Uh, I, 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 I don't think I ran any stock car here, but I think I ran the, all the others. And Did you run single seat Can Am here? Uh, no, I don't think so. Oh. Um, I ran the, the, the real Can Am cars. Right. And, uh, and I won here. In '72, with the uh, 917 10 Porsche, uh, with uh, L&M sponsorship, so it's uh, it's always been a good track for me, and I've always enjoyed racing on it. And it's just I, I still like coming here. I, I don't go off base very much anymore. <laughs> it's, it's traveling such a hassle. right, yeah. But uh, chance to come to Road America and uh, to visit with the people back here and they're always great and they're friendly and the food's good the broths are better <laughs> talking with uh, george falmer up here at road america uh up here for the weather tech brian redmond uh, vintage weekend uh if you get a chance come on up here uh we're up here today saturday and also tomorrow uh sunday all day come on out here it's a great opportunity for for actually for the fans to do and listeners to do something this weekend uh we're of course uh practicing social distancing and just using common sense with masks and that but uh road america as we were saying uh you know when we were a couple weeks ago for the indycar series it's the optimum place to uh come out and see a race because it's so big and there's everybody can kind of space out so come on up to road america and uh enjoy the uh, weather up here and and enjoy some very very cool cars and uh george your your last race uh, vintage race was here too, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, I believe it was. In that I, McLaren, I had a, a M8 Mc, uh, McLaren Can Am car, a big block in it, and uh, we ran pretty good. I I don't know if I'm. A, George, you spanked the field that day. Is that what I did? <laughs> yes, uh, you did. I was here, and you just ran away and hid, and. Well, uh, it was your. I it's think less, that was less twelve traffic years. That way. Yeah, <laughs> that was about ten, twelve years ago. I think. Uh yeah, at least. And uh, you said that, that that that's it. I'm done. Yeah, I think about that. It was right about the time I said no more. I've got to do this anymore. Yeah. So, you know, I've I've had a, a fantastic career. I've, I've had a lot of enjoyment. I've had some pain along with it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if you're going to race cars, you're going to have pain. So. But uh, I'm still here, and uh, it's uh, always been fun, and I always like the fans, and having uh, a chance to perform for them, it was, it was rewarding. And, of course, we have a lot of NASCAR fans, and some of the Na- newer NASCAR fans may not be familiar that you drove for uh, Bud Moore in the early 70s in the, in the Torino. And I, I, we did an interview uh, a few years ago, and I said, you know, what, what, what did you have the most fun with in the cars and everything? And you kind of wish you did a little more NASCAR running back then. Uh, I've always uh, had a fondness for the NASCAR. They, uh, it's very competitive and a lot of good cars and good drivers, so that, that raises your level and interest in, in having a chance to compete with better the best of the field and mm-hmm. you know the best around and then I think some of the NASCAR guys are one of the best bunch of drivers to, to run against uh, they don't catch any cars but they'll yeah. but they'll race you and um, it's just good it's, it's the stock carts put on a good show for everybody so it's it, it, it's fun to watch them 
You know, it's funny. There's been some criticism with Fernando Alonso going back to Formula One at, I think, at age 42. And you, you were actually a rookie in Formula One at age 40, weren't you? Yeah, and I, <laughs> I, I don't think that'll last very long because uh, it's a, it's Formula One is a real hassle, and it's mm-hmm. gotten to be pretty. You know, if you if you're over 20, you don't even get a job. So. Yeah. But uh, he could try it. I I went because of. American team and the, the shadow, and an American car, and so, and I had good, I had some good luck, and I ran good. I was competitive, but our cars weren't quite up to the standard of the some of the other teams. But I scored points my first race, and I set out on the podium on my th- second race. So, all in all, it was not a bad deal. Well, George, we certainly appreciate you taking time out. And uh, for the fans who want to come up here, uh, excellent opportunity to get the Pete Lyons book and get it autographed by uh, George. Yes, I'm autographing uh, both uh, Saturday and Sunday. And uh, that'll uh, be an opportunity to buy a new, brand new book. It just, just, just came off the press. And in fact, I don't think you can get it anywhere else but here for, for this weekend, anyhow. And uh, it's a nice book. Pete's a great writer, and he's been in motorsports probably is longer longer than I have and he's a good guy and a very meticulous writer so um, he certainly is he, uh, what he writes is usually uh, the real story yeah alright there he is George Fulmer with Steve Zaki up at Road America races going on up there this weekend that's going to do it for us here on the final inspection show I want to thank David Hobbs Honda up in Glendale also the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove Coming up next on The Fan, it'll be the Bayview Shade and Blind postgame show at the conclusion of the Brewers and the Cubs from Wrigley Field. Brewers up 3-1 to one right now. First and third for the Cubs. Two outs. They just got Victor Caratini in a rundown. So, uh, Tim Allen, we'll, have the, we'll take your calls on the Bayview Shade and Blind postgame show. Coming up after the last pitch, you make the switch right back here to 105.7 FM, The Fan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.